Live from Northampton, this is The Late Show with Alex Wright. I'm back for my final show, Mark 2. Here we go. This is Alex Wright on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Northampton, this is The Late Show with Alex Wright on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So this is the last show. Um, I'm going to talk a bit about why I'm leaving and you can hear me. Yes, I don't know what happened um, at all. And and I realised that I've been um, kind of away by accident again. I do this thing and I do this thing with a, with a lot of parts of my life, I realise. I just disappear. Um, and I don't mean to. Like, I don't even try to disappear. I just do. I do this with family. I do this with friends. I do this with Twitter. I just go through phases where I just seem to slink away. Um, sometimes it's a depression thing, but often it's not. I just, I don't really know why. I just end up slinking away. And I realised what was happening was that um, I barely spent any time on Twitter. And I, I love spending time on Twitter. I mean, it gets a bit grumpy and a bit whingy and people get very, very angry on Twitter. But I've cultivated my lovely little corner on Twitter and I really enjoy um, seeing all my Twitter friends there, three of whom are present uh, live right now. Hello to the three of you. Hopefully we'll have more people coming in soon. Um, but I realised as well that I wasn't writing very much, like hardly anything. Um, and I adore writing and I just felt and feel, I suppose, rather, rather frantic and rather full up with, with everything that's going on. I'm emotionally perfectly fine, but I don't feel I can do the radio show very well, um, with my current sort of, with all the things that are currently going on. Um, I just don't feel I'm doing it justice and I feel like were I to carry on doing the radio show, I'd have to rush it and it would be a it would be something that I don't really spend a lot of time on. And I don't think it would be very good and I don't think it would be worth listening to. And I can't bear to put out something that I don't think um, people it would be worth people's time to to listen to. So for now, um, after this show, I won't be um, I won't be on the radio. Um and it feels like I've barely just begun. Um, I think I've done, I think this is my eighth show, actually. This is my eighth show. So I've barely done any shows and I intended to do this um, for quite a while. But I hopefully will at some point be back. And Tom at Teach Talk Radio has been magnanimous about this. Um, I'd love to come back at some point when I feel I can do it properly. When I feel like I've really got something to say and I've got, kind of the time and space to think about things properly um but what we're going to do for this last show is it's going to be a little bit fast and loose there's going to be kind of two strands to this there's going to be the idea i've just talked about which is about time and i've been thinking a lot about time and i think it's something that runs through a lot of my writing is the theme of time and how we experience time and those moments in our lives that somehow dominate our narratives. Um, there are 
you know, our lives are full of millions and millions of moments in the 4,000 weeks on average that we're alive. It's not a lot of weeks. Talk about that later. Um, and yet only a few really stand out, really seem to form us, you know, these formative moments. And so much of it, so many of those moments we'll probably never get back. They'll probably never think about them again. And as far as we might be concerned, they might be lost to all of time forever. Except that's just from our perspective. And I wonder if one moment that we pay no mind to anymore, what if that is the most or one of the most formative moments in someone else's life? It's possible that you could have had a moment in your life that meant nothing to you that you didn't realize was significant to somebody else and yet it could be the most significant thing and I think for me this is why I want to concentrate on my writing more because I think that's what writing is about for me it's about trying to work out what the moments are and why we might do well or why might I do well to to think about them and I think what you then do by by writing about these moments and by publishing them is you you forge common ground with others and it's a form of communication that goes beyond simple conversation it's a conversation that you have with yourself out loud in public and other people come and join in and I think I like writing for this reason for the same reason I like Twitter everybody puts these little snippets of self out there these little moments these little snips of ephemera and we see what happens a lot of the time it's absolutely mad and disastrous and we all shout at each other but just occasionally we create a little bit of magic so I'm going to be talking about time and I'm going to be talking about moments um in the show tonight, but I'm also going to be talking um, about teaching and what I've what I've learned from teaching. And my intention originally, before I realised this was going to be the last show, um, was going to be called "Who Am I," and it was going to be about the formulation of my teacher persona and what it means to have a teacher persona and a teacher voice and how much of your true self you let into your teacher self now since then i've been thinking about this idea of true self and and that's problematic as well and i've ended up reading a bit about time and special relativity and the block universe and whether or not we're living in a simulation and we might be so we're going to talk about time we're going to talk about teacher identity um and I'm also to just bring a little anarchy into proceedings. Occasionally, um, I'm going to open up a random word generator and I'm going to click generate random words and it's going to give me five random words. And at that point, I'm going to try to include the random words into whatever I'm currently talk about. Talk about. And if and if people in the um, in the chat, if you find that I'm not um, using the random word generator, I would like you to prompt me to do so. And by all means, um, throw in your own ideas, throw in your own random words. And please do feel free if I say anything that you hate, love, want to talk about, disagree with, etc. Please do call in. 
um i'd love to have an impromptu guest just to just to chat to um any of the four people at the moment i'd be happy if you called in at any point um if not maybe not I would love to see uh, Nathan Ginn uh, mentioned on Twitter. He said he's never seen all eight of those spots filled on TTR. I wonder what would happen if we had eight people on the line all at once. I think the world would probably end. So I'm going to talk about, uh, first of all, then, I'm going to talk about um, teacher identity and teacher personality. Um, And this is kind of precipitated in somewhat by being called a personality teacher. At the start of the academic year, um, a bunch of uh, new teachers were being shown around the school, and uh, one of them was um, my um, new um, ECT, my my mentee. And she popped into the classroom. She's being led around by um, a cabal of SLT, and I came into my lesson, had a bit of a look, all sort of stood there awkwardly. You know, no one knows what to do when they're having a tour, do they? They they just sort of linger like sort of meerkat taxidermy, just sort of there on their hind legs, sort of peering, frozen in time, you know, mutely useless and awkward. And so they just sort of stand there and then they go away and I think nothing of it. Um, And later on, when I speak to uh, my mentee, I said to her, oh, you had a tour of the school. How was it? Um, who did you see? You know, what was it like? And they said, oh, we only saw five teachers. And I, oh, right. And one of them was me. And I felt a little, little swelling of pride. And I thought, oh, that's lovely. Oh, it's one of five teachers. And I was like, oh, ooh, hang on. I said, well, what was the criteria? Like, why did they pick five? Love taxidermied meerkat as an image. Yes, thank you very much. For some reason, taxidermy has been on my mind again recently, and I don't know why. I think I must have been looking through my bookmarks, example. But that is what classroom visitors look like, taxidermied meerkats. Prove me wrong. Thank you, Lucy. Um, And thank you for saying that was understandable. I really appreciate that. It's not a decision I've taken lightly. So, what was I? So I said to her, what was the the criteria? Like, why did you only see five members of staff? Was it... You know, was it people that are soon going to be on capability? Was it all of the ginger members of staff? Was it members of, was it male members? I don't know. And she said, shut up, just listen. I was like, oh, fine. And she said, we were being told that we would see um, personality teachers. And she did uh, did it in air quotes, personality teachers. And I said, all right. I said, what do you mean personality teachers? And she said, well, teachers who... They said, we're going to take you to see some teachers who don't really rely on the kind of the behavior management systems of the school, but kind of behavior manage and classroom manage through their personalities. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Now, I follow school behavior policy, all that sort of thing, to the letter, actually, if my my employers are listening. Uh, You will not find um, a more model employee when it comes to following every dictat to the letter i just want to put that out there my lawyers have told me to say (laughs) i can't afford lawyers i'm a teacher right but the point is is that i never really thought of myself as that before and it got me to think about you know who am i as a a teacher and i kind of got labeled as a personality teacher and and before this i'd applied to be um head of department um, at my school and um, I wasn't successful and I was absolutely gutted 
only asked for feedback and they said well you're such a performer you know that's your that's your strength you know and I got the impression basically I was being told that oh you're not really a leader you're a performer you know and they said oh well whenever we have guests around the school we always say oh let's take them to Alex because he'll put on a good show and ended up thinking have I just got no substance whatsoever is this am I just this sort of wind him up and watch him go sort of embarrassing failure of a stand-up comedian um you know have I got any substance as a teacher so it really kind of put me into a bit of a tailspin for a while and I thought who am I as a teacher what is do I have a teacher persona um is teacher me actually me is it entire performance am I you know like in a lot of sort of sitcoms and things nowadays, am I playing a fictionalized version of myself? Am I playing quote unquote Alex Wright rather than actual Alex Wright? Is there any such thing as Alex Wright as in the real Alex Wright? Or are there loads and loads and loads of different versions? And actually the version that's in my head is nothing like the versions that anyone else will see. And I'll never know. So this is, uh, I think you can file this um, in a nice little folder um, made of forgotten dreams and angst known as uh, an existential crisis. So I had a bit of an existential crisis. I mean, it was an existential crisis in a teacup, you know, a very small, precious bone china teacup. Um, it wasn't a proper existential crisis. They only really tend to happen in the shower on Tuesdays after a sleepless night. But a little existential crisis, a minor existential crisis, a little flicker. Now, so I started thinking, right, OK, well, who am I as a teacher? And I, and I kind of traced it back and I went all the way back in my mind to when I was a trainee. I wasn't teaching, by the way, when I actually thought about all this i wasn't like standing listlessly in the classroom like the aforementioned taxidermic meerkat i was just thinking about this over a series of days and weeks you know while sitting down for five minutes um and i traced it back and i thought back to when i was um a trainee and i remember um actually relying an awful lot on performative aspects of teaching and i realized why i did it I did it because I had no idea what I was actually doing. And I remember my really early lessons. I became convinced that what I needed to do was entertain the children. I must keep moving. And that was fine because I kind of do that anyway. I kind of keep moving at all times anyway, because I'm kind of concerned. I think that if I, if I stop moving, I might die like a shark. I don't know if that's true of sharks. Is it sharks? Right. People in the chat, something that dies if it, what dies if it doesn't, if it doesn't keep moving? Is that a shark? Am I completely making that up? Right. Is it a fish? Surely fish can stop. Allegedly shark. Allegedly sharks. I want to know who started that rumor. I bet it was the dolphin lobby, wasn't it? I bet the dolphins all got together and they go, right, do you know what we're going to do? You know what we're going to do? We're going to live up to our name as most intelligent creatures of the sea and we're going to start spreading some absolute you know some absolute honkers about sharks them and the seals well to be honest with you i think the seals are more the seals are a bit more like richard hammond so you know when jeremy clarkson says something bad the seals are like mate 
that was brilliant. They're, they're, they're there for like, they're clapping. You know, they're all like, mate, that is fantastic. So the dolphins are always like, oh, those sharks. Do you know what I heard about sharks? They, they've got to keep swimming. And the dolphins are like, what? Hang on. Let me go up for air. Right, come back down. Okay. Hang on. What would you mean? They've, um, they can't, they can't stop swimming. Dolphins like, loser. Why? It's like, I don't know. Just heard, heard it a rumor. Heard, heard a rumor. And then, no wonder sharks are so angry. What if the only reason that Jaws happened was because a shark was just pushed to breaking point? It's a shark, yes, but only some types. Was it? Is it a great white? Because if it doesn't, my um, my expostulation um, and my theory about Jaws doesn't work. I think that Jaws was pushed to breaking point by the dolphin version of Twitter, basically. What would it be called? Chatter? I don't know. What do dolphins do? They make that sound don't they so whatever we call that sound that's the name of dolphin twitter so dolphins absolutely click clicker clicker all right that sounds like a dating app doesn't it for people that work in it like clicker sounds like you know for people that can code or something i don't know or for people that like online shopping i don't know right but anyway the point is dolphins Dolphins are to blame for the ferocity of sharks and probably therefore Jaws, um, all thanks to dolphin gossip. Why was I on sharks? Why was I talking about sharks? Right, hang on. I was talking about sharks. I need to go back. I need to go back. Taxidermy of me a cat. No, we've gone past that. Seals. Why am I talking about the seals? Dolphins. Why am I talking about sharks? I can't do everything around here. How am I supposed to remember everything? Without a script as well. This is very difficult, people. Right. I was talking about teacher persona. Why did, how did I end up on sharks? Right. Do you know what? It's time for a random word generator. Let's have a look. Right. Generate random words. So I want five words, word type, all. Here we go. Right. Here are random words. Century, sunrise, wrestle, active, and key. All right. Well, first of all, straight away, active's easy. Because this was, ah, that's the link. Right. That's the link. Because... I said, like a shark, and I wasn't sure if it was shark. Move in the classroom, Lucy, there you go. Early career teaching, you couldn't stop. Yeah, I felt like if I stopped, I'd die. And so my lessons were these mad dashes around the classroom. I used to stand on tables, like, it's my fault. I read some Phil Beadle, and I watched, like, Phil Beadle's teaching masterclasses, and he was, like, standing on things. And I made the mistake of watching Dead Poet Society as well. And for some reason, I thought that's what actual teaching was like. And I was like, right, do you know what? If I can't make these teenagers stand on their desks and recite Walt Whitman to me while crying, then something's wrong. I reckoned, of course, without the fact that they were also a bit sad about the fact that one of their classmates had committed suicide. And I definitely didn't ever want that to happen. So it was really about, you know, treading a fine line. I don't want the children to kill themselves. I do want them to stand on tables and say things like, oh, captain, my captain, which I always thought was a little bit lame. I want something like, you know, I want it to be called like the big cheese or you know, something like that. Oh, hello, Toby. It's nice to see Toby, who's um, who's on after me. Toby, hello for my for my swan song. Um, do swans do swans sing? 
Toby, you're a scientist. Do swans sing? Sad. It is sad, isn't it, Toby? But I've been, as I was saying, I've been so rubbish on Twitter and have neglected so many parts of my life. I just need to clear some space. Right. So why is it called a swan song then? Or is that by its nature? Is it's like quiet suffering as you go by, go away? Is that what it is? I don't know. Why is it a swan song? Anyway, get back to me. Maybe it's mythology. Um, Random word generators. So I would treat the classroom, I suppose, a little bit like, and here's one of our random words, wrestle, a little bit like a like a wrestling match, like a, like a wrestling ring, in the sense that this was my zone of performance. And in wrestling, right, they are all these big personalities, aren't they? Like, I remember watching wrestling when I was about 13, you know, when The Rock comes on and he does the eyebrows and he calls everyone a jabroni, you know, and he shouts stuff. Led Zepp record label, Swan Song. Okay, okay. Thanks, Toby. I knew you'd, I knew you'd know. Right. So, but I felt like a neat part of, you know, not losing their attention, not failing them. I was so terrified of, of losing them um, that I thought I've got to keep moving and I've got to have this big performative persona. And I used, and, and, I, and I thought, right, what do I need to do? Well, I need to do the same thing that I did when I was at school to make people like me. So we go back to when I was at school. Okay. Primary school. I had no friends. There was a young lad. He's called Christopher. Um, and his mate, Paul. And they were odd. They were really odd, like me. But the problem was, is that they were odd together. And they were best mates. And I wanted to be their friend. But I didn't understand that they weren't that interested in being my friend. And I realized in hindsight that they would have been if I wasn't so bloody annoying. But I didn't really understand how to play the way that other children wanted to play. I just wanted to play my thing. And I wanted to get other people's joining with my thing. But no one ever really wanted to. Um, it was only really in the last few years where I actually met the sort of person that did want to play with me at school. And that is my current partner, um, Sean. I say current, like she's on her way out. She's not like she's current because she's now, but I'm not saying it's not transitory. I don't know if that was implied. Um, but that's the first time I've met somebody that probably would have wanted to play with me in the playground at primary school. So and actually, this just kind of carried on like it was fine at primary school. My primary school was a small Catholic primary school. And so I was just allowed to be odd. Good clarification, but not needed. Thanks. They usually aren't, Lucy, to be honest with you. So I felt um, so at primary school, I was just odd. I was just odd and quiet and it was fine. When I say I was quiet, like I didn't shut up in lessons. Like I always had my hand up. I always wanted to talk about things. I always had an opinion. But when it came to social times, I I really struggled. I really just, just didn't know how people worked. It really confused me. Um, and then I went to um, a middle school and in, in a different town. And I was really badly bullied um, in year seven. Um, it wasn't great in year eight, year eight either, but my mum got involved and so the edge got taken off at this. There was a slight salve and got to um, secondary school in year nine and it just got to year 10 and I just got fed up of feeling awkward about who I was. The problem was I know 
Well, I knew that if I was to carry on as myself, I'd just carry on being quiet and awkward. So it was around this time I started uh, watching quite a lot of stand-up comedy. I had quite a sheltered upbringing, and so I didn't have much in the way of media or art or culture in the house. But as I got into my later into my teens, I um, I started to sort of watch things on the sly, um, and I became a bit obsessed with stand-up comedians, um, especially um, Dylan Moran and later uh, Mitch Hedberg. Um, very early on, it was Lee Evans, not 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 very long, um, but also Bill Bailey. Later, Tim Minchin. Um, Stuart Lee, um, Richard Herring, um, and so on, Robin Ince, uh, Ricky Gervais, although I've gone off Ricky Gervais quite a lot, um, and so on. And I thought, right, all of these, um, Sean Locke to an extent, actually, yeah, Sean Locke a little bit later, um, rest in peace, Sean Locke, the great Sean Locke, um, what a wonderfully witty man he was. But there were, yeah, all those sorts of comedians, um, and what got me was the sheer unabashed confidence of their delivery um, was the way they could come on stage and everybody, like thousands of people, like some of them would play like arenas and everybody would laugh at every joke. Eddie Izzard was another one as well, actually. Eddie Izzard was one um, who really encouraged me to be a little bit weird. Um, and Jack D actually was another one. And Jack D was quite a big influence early on because Jack D used to come on stage and be utterly miserable and angry and sarcastic and brutal and to his audience and and it was hilarious and he was hilarious and and I remember thinking people are laughing at this guy and he's just saying what he thinks like he's saying the stuff that he's not supposed to say and I realized that all these comedians they were kind of plugging into a part of of themselves that I thought you were just supposed to repress. I remember thinking there are all these things that I think and I observe on a daily basis. And I just think oh, I'm not supposed to say them because people think I'm weird. But what if I just say everything that's in my head? What if I just say everything? And so I started to, I just started to speak I just started to say what was in my head. Um, Eddie Azard in a tiny boat theatre in Paris, English and French. Yeah, he was, I can't believe he used to do that. A whole show's in French. It was incredible. He's he's really quite something. His his memoir is is on my list to read because I think he's he's fascinating. I'm currently actually reading among about eight other things, uh, Bob Mortimer's autobiography and as a side note bob mortimer talks about being really really shy and awkward and and unsociable as a kid and it's comedy that kind of unlocks that for him and i really relate to that um obviously i'm not a comedian i'm a teacher um but um but i do think for me stand-up comedy unlocked a part of myself it, it basically said to me it's okay for you to say what you want and be who you want to be the problem was, though, it didn't let out the real me. At least it didn't let out the versions of me that felt weak. It let out a performed, almost kind of um, Mr. Hyde version of me. It let out a performance. I used to mimic. So one day I'd mimic Ricky Gervais and I'd speak in a Ricky Gervais sort of voice. To this day, I still do. I still um, have different kind of voices and modes that I will fall back on. Um, 
and that I will rely on. And I sometimes get a real sense of uh, a bit of a personality crisis. And I think, hang on a second, are you you or are you performing? And and even now, like on the radio, I'm aware that I'm performing, but I'm also me and I'm trying to be honest about me, but it's still a performed version of me. And I can think about this for too long and it can get very, very rabbit holy. So I'm not going to go too rabbit holy soon. But what I what I ended up doing was becoming a performance. And broadly speaking, that performed version of me was sarcastic, quite quick witted. Um, loved a simile, you like, uh, you know, taxidermied meerkats, loved blurting out, you know, things about people, was quite cruel at times as well, actually, I realised I actually became a little bit of a bully. And I didn't even realise I did. I thought, well, how can I be a bully? How can I be mean? I'm, um, I've, I was bullied for years. Um, how am I supposed to be a bully? It's impossible. No one will be afraid. But I remember saying some really quite brutally horrible things to people. And it was like, oh, it's only a joke. It's only a joke. And, and nowadays in teaching, you know, when kids go, oh, it's only banter. I say, well, hang on a second. I remember thinking that. And I think I've really hurt people before. So this performed self gradually became um, part of who I was. And it followed me into the world of work. And it did not go well in the world of work. It turns out this kind of persona, this outspoken, constantly quipping, constantly on, you know, unpredictable motor mouth persona that I'd created um, just alienated people in the workplace. And people, uh, some people found it funny, but a lot of people, I think, just thought I was really arrogant. And and that was really problematic. Um, it was. And do you know what, Laura? That's that's a really good point. And it was exhausting. And, and it's only in retrospect I realised just how exhausting it was. The problem I've got is that this is still something that comes back. This This kind of occasionally it's like, oh, my God, who are you? What are you doing? Are you being acceptable? Is your performative self in place are people seeing past the mask um i'm getting better at it it's something that i've started to unlock and it, but yeah now i say it out loud do you know this is the first time i've actually really talked about this properly out loud um so thanks everyone for the th for the free therapy i do appreciate it you being here like sort of silent psychiatrists that's really really nice you said mask was it a defense mechanism yeah totally do you know laura i think that's a really good point. Yes, it definitely was. Um, and is, it was a way of not having to deal with my own weakness. It was a way of not having to deal with my own awkwardness, my own fear that I might be odd, that I might somehow be shamed. To this day, my greatest fear, my absolute greatest fear, 100% is being humiliated in front of others absolutely terrifies me no no Laura please do I actually I'm I'm actually fine with it and I I think to be honest with you the shows at its best when it is personal and to be honest with you this is kind of the only way now that I can do things I really have realized through writing through being on the radio the only way I'm comfortable is being almost embarrassingly personal um but this um this self that I created, yeah, it was it was exhausting. 
and it was a defense mechanism and it is a defense mechanism um and what i found is it made the world of work quite difficult for me to the point where i just kept trying to get out of it and i kept going from job to job um, really struggling to kind of make friends figure out who I was. I used to have managers saying to me, like, you can't say that to people, you can't do this to people, and so on. You can't be like this. And I just didn't know what to do. And, it, and I just thought, well, hang on. That personality got me through school. It made people like me. But now it's failing me in the world of work. Oh, I don't know how to be an adult now. And in the end, um, that's helpful for others too, though, seeing a bit of truth often strikes chords. That's what I hope, to be honest with you, Lucy. That's kind of where I've got to. I just think this is why I like Twitter. Um, I just, I think it can't just be me. It can't just be me. There's, there's, and, and indeed, I've seen that there are other people who are, I think I'm neurodivergent, I think is probably the way to put it. Um, I'm being assessed for um, ASD and ADHD. So, you know, it's probably one of those or both of those. Um, it's all a part of it, isn't it? But I think it's, I think it's helpful. I think for all of us to to be open about it. You know, there's no point being embarrassed about who we are. We're stuck with who we are. We might as well just embrace it. It's kind of what I come to. So for me, it isn't just me. Thank you, Toby. And I think Toby and I, if I dare say, um, Toby and I, I think share some personality traits. They're both quite uh, loquacious. Um, we're both obsessed with knowing and learning. We both love jokes and music and all that sort of thing, don't we, Toby? Uh, we are blood bruvs. And you know, Toby, uh, genuinely, and and to all the people that here actually that I interact a lot with, I've really missed speaking to everyone on Twitter. I've just been not there. It's um, There's nothing wrong with me. I've just, as I was saying to a few of you at the start, I just disappear from time to time. But I'm starting, as you might have noticed in the last sort of 24 hours, to to come back again because I've really missed it. And I'm trying to get my kind of writing mojo back. And I'm hoping that putting the show on ice will give me a little bit more time to do that as well. But anyway, so kind of to go back to this idea of, of kind of teacher identity and mask, which I'm, to be honest with you, as you've probably realised by now, I'm just kind of uh, riffing. At the moment, I'm just I'm just thinking I'm just talking about my own personal experiences. So I got fed up with the world of work um, and I thought I've got to do something like what I really wanted to do with I had a creative writing degree. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to have time to to think and to put my ideas out on the page. The page was where I felt most comfortable. In fact, the page was the only place I felt comfortable, I would argue. Um I only felt comfortable when I was making things. Music, too, as well. Whenever I was making music, I played the guitar and things like that. Uh, but I was always better at writing than playing music. Um, and the page was where I was comfortable. But the problem was I could only do it in small doses because it's like you've got to look at yourself, you know. But the mirror you're looking in is more true than an actual mirror because you're not just seeing your own reflection. You're seeing all of the internal stuff as well. And often when you write, you you look back and you go, oh, I didn't even realise that was in there. When you read when you read your writing as a reader and you start analysing it and you start going, oh my god, that's in there. Oh, that's me. Oh God, really? Oh, I didn't realise that was in there. God, no wonder I repress everything. Oh goodness. So I needed I needed to get into. Thank you, Toby. Yes, I hope so. To be honest with you, I just kind of thought about it now, and I probably need to write it down. Um, but it will probably help. 
So if you hear a pen scratching, it's because I've given myself a writing idea and I'm writing a little note to myself. Um, so what was it I just said? So I said, um, there we go, self mirror writing is true mirror. I'm actually literally unapologetically writing this down now. Right. And I'm going to put subconscious. I can't even spell subconscious. True self internal there we go right right i'll write that later right there we go writing mojo's back so so yeah so i thought i've got to go into something i've got to go into a profession that will allow me to feel like i feel when i write I've, i've got to perform i have to i have to go somewhere where i don't have to think about the raw self you know that little fetus wriggling and jelly bean like that we carry inside us you know i think again i'm riffing again and i'm going off on a toby Payne cook tangent here but i sometimes imagine that we never actually stop being a tiny fetus like that naked wriggling completely helpless bare part of ourselves <laughs> well lucy uh you are part of a niche corner of twitter it's alex's procrastination station um like if you think about a newborn baby or a fetus you know they're recognizably human they've got all the component parts you know they've got all the organs and stuff they've got teeth you just can't see them by the way if you've ever seen a baby x-ray it's terrifying they've got two sets of teeth in there it's gross it's just stuff and nightmares but anyway um i'll post a picture on twitter later but yeah we've got this i think this wriggling little baby inside us you know this vulnerable self that we still want someone to nurture and look after. And I think that, yeah, we physically get bigger and stronger and our brains get bigger and stronger. But that little wriggling fetus, I don't think it completely grows with us. We grow apart from it, not from it. And it stays inside. And I realise this is a little bit like saying, I'm just a scared little boy, you know, sort of thing inside. But it's a little bit different. It's like that first, that very first self that need, that totally depends on parenting to keep it alive. Like, I remember bringing my daughter home and just looking at my partner and going, right, we've got to keep this alive now. Christ, we've got to keep this thing alive. This 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 thing's useless. It can't do anything. And I remember saying to my one of my colleagues, you know, I I love my daughter, but God, she was annoying when she was a baby. Like she's just a big bag of need, just vomiting and pooping and on everything and, you know, crying at me, you know, it's just stuck a little alarm that goes off and goes, right. In order to stop this alarm going off, you need to input a certain code. You're going to have to guess. It's one of several options. Okay. Poop code. Nope. No poop. Try again. I'm going to scream at you for more. Okay. Are you colicky? Nope. It's not that one either. And you just go through all of them. Are you tired? Yes, of course you are. You're a baby. So why won't you sleep? Why is it 4am? Why am I on the toilet while holding you? Anyway. So, but we carry that pathetic little fetus inside us, I think. And, oh God, Lucy, there's something else. I mean, my daughter's two and a half now and it's way better. Now, so we carry that within us, I think. And um, and so I needed to perform to protect that. At, at all costs, I had to protect that wriggly little flesh bag. So I became a teacher. But I became a teacher on the knowledge that it was basically just a performance 
But during that performance, rather than it being stand-up comedy, um, I would talk about books. And I thought, well, I know some stuff about books. I've done an English lit degree with some creative writing. I'm reasonably well-read. Turns out at the time, I really wasn't. I'm not even well-read now when I read every day. But I, um, yeah, I got into teaching going, right, okay. I sold myself on it going, this is a performance. I can do performance. I know how to pretend to be an exaggerated version of myself, quote unquote, Alex Wright, rather than Alex Wright. And that's how I got into teaching. And I think that's why I got into teaching. Now, whether that relates to anybody else's getting into teaching story, I don't know. But I think and I realise that the reason I got into teaching isn't the reason I stay in teaching. I got into teaching, I think, to protect the wriggly fetus inside me and to keep that performative self um, alive. And this isn't without kind of theoretical backup. Irving Goffman um, and his dramaturgical view of social interaction says that we're all performers and he likens the world to a stage, you know, a la Shakespeare. Um, and he says that we have all of these masks that we are constantly slipping in and out of. And there are all these different selves and everything's a performance. But going back to what Laura says um, earlier on, it's exhausting. It can be exhausting. Um, I'm really interested to hear about other people's um, kind of teacher um, personas. You know, I would love to ask you now, what's your teacher persona like? Um, who are you as a teacher? Do you feel that you're yourself? How would other people describe you as a teacher? Do you like who you are as a teacher? Do you wish you had a different teacher persona? How important do you think teacher persona actually is? What I'm going to do now is we're overdue for a break. So I'm going to do a break. And when I return, um, we'll have the second half. Um, if anyone would like to call in, Elaine, I'm looking at you. Carolina, I'm looking at you, maybe. Toby, maybe. Anyway, um, I um, if anybody would love to call it, I, I would really love to hear about your, the, the formulation of your um, teacher um, persona. Um, what what you like about it, what issues you might have had with it. It'd just be really nice to have a chat. If not, I will keep just talking. So if you want me to stop doing that, then fine. Um, I'd love to hear from some people I haven't heard from before as well. So Mr. Shu, um, I don't think I've come across you before. I'd love to hear from you. Laura, um, I'm not sure if I've heard from you before or not. Chris Vowles, if you'd like to call in, please let me know. Anybody that's there at all, um, please do um, feel free to call in afterwards. I bet, see, if nobody does, I bet Toby does. Because Toby and me, we love a chat. So we'll see what happens. So anyway, don't go anywhere. It's been really, really lovely to talk with everyone. And it's been really nice to see the chat as well. It's been a lovely uh, final show so far. I am now going to play the ads and the news. And I'll be back in about five, six minutes. Don't go anywhere. See you soon. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, 
podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Pupils at Belmont Grosvenor Prep School in Harrogate took part in a sound bath experience as part of the school's wellbeing programme. The school was visited by Sudeshna Sarkar, a sound mediation practitioner, who ran a series of sound workshops during Children's Mental Health Week. A sound bath is a meditative experience where you lie down and are bathed in different sounds. All pupils had a chance to play the gongs, Himalayan bowls, chimes, crystal bowls and other instruments before experiencing a brief sound bath. Ms Sarkar said she was overwhelmed by the positive responses to the workshop from the pupils. She said, participation in a sound bath requires no prior experience and is an excellent tool for children and adults alike to alleviate the symptoms of anxiety, stress, depression, poor sleep and a range of conditions affecting the nervous system. In Northern Ireland, Schools Minister Robin Walker has said schools must teach LGBT content and that there are no plans to rule out teaching about trans issues. He told the Commons Education Committee, we do need to talk about the world as it is, adding that trans people were a protected group under the Equality Act 
who needed support. He said, we want schools to be able to support pupils, including the small number of pupils who may have gender identity issues and may need support in that respect. And it's important that if they approach members of staff, they can be signposted to the right advice and support. He said that issues around sex and gender had to be taught in an age-appropriate way and there were some really complex legal issues to do with the Equality Act. The government is working with the Equality and Human Rights Commission to explore this. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at fake news and scammers. We all know what a scammer is, but do we really know what fake news is? The NSPCC website explains fake news in an easy to understand way if you want to look a little deeper. However, basically it's disinformation as opposed to misinformation. Misinformation shared without knowledge or intent to harm. Disinformation is shared intentionally. Fake news is nothing new, but for most it's seen as a propaganda or a political tools to influence opinion. However, it's becoming more popular with scammers. I decided to see what happens when you actually follow a fake news advert. I've noticed recently popular social media apps and search engine adverts encouraging investment in cryptocurrency. One ad caught my eye as I was looking at the news headlines on a popular browser. It read, Elon Musk invests 12 million in a new trading platform. I trusted the search engine, so I clicked on the link. Because let's face it, anything Elon invests in is worth looking at. I was taken to a website showing how the company Bitcoin Motion had created an investment robot that invests when Bitcoin climbs and sells when Bitcoin falls. Because Bitcoin is a massively volatile currency, you can earn a large profit in a very short time. It sounds almost too good to be true. On the site, there's a report where Elon himself tells a popular American news presenter to invest $250, and within eight minutes, she's made a profit of $100. Scrolling down, there were testimonials from Dragon's Den, Money Supermarket, and other well-known established names. Next, a button to fill in a simple web form to sign up. I spent some time researching Bitcoin Motion. It was clearly fake. All endorsers had published statements saying they were nothing to do with it. So, I signed up. Within 30 seconds, I had a phone call from another company called FinoFX. Strangely, though, there was a distinctive call transfer noise. A silence before the connection. Why, if they phoned me? Hello? Hello? Hi, today am I speaking to Mr. Steve? Steve what? That's me. Steve, you're speaking to... And I was called Mr. Steve. I should have hung up. Anyway, I was then time pressured so I didn't miss out to give the big long number across my credit card, which I didn't do. So I was sent a WhatsApp message with a secure payment link. Again, I was pushed to open it on my cell phone and pay. I made my excuses and ended the call. A further five messages and calls, some from London, some from Sheffield, came, never leaving a message. The WhatsApp saying, I see you've not made your transaction. I'm calling to assist you. The recording I have is my final call with the supposed investment company. On the 20th of March at 8pm on Tom Rogers' show, we're going to listen to this and discuss the topic. Why not join us? I'm going to leave you with a final thought. I was told to look at the website and see there was a padlock showing it was safe. The padlock and certificate is proof your connection is encrypted. It's not proof of how trustworthy the person on the other end is. Anyone can buy an SSL certificate. Please be careful. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio all right i'm back so 
before the break, I was talking about um, teacher persona and my own um, my own journey um, to becoming what became known as a personality teacher and how I got into teaching um, thinking it could be um, a place for me to perform and, and be safe. Um, and then my journey through teaching um, really kind of started to steer me away from that. And then being told relatively recently that I was a personality teacher and that I was a performer and all the rest of it made me think, oh, actually, well, maybe I don't have um, as much substance as I thought I'd learned to have. Um, now, this is risky, but would anybody like to call in and discuss um, who they are in the classroom? I will not force you to say anything personal. I can't. Um, I'm just a bloke on the radio. I might not even exist. Um, does anybody want to call in? Any of the six listeners? Who's going to be brave? No one. Right. Um, <laughs> well, if anyone does want to call in, please let me know in the chat. Or please just call straight in and I'll, uh, I'll let you on straight away. Please don't abuse me. So if anybody feels like calling in, that'd be great. In the meantime... Um, I'm just going to sort of carry on talking about my uh, my teacher persona. So, Lucy, I'm dull, but if you want, I will throw a time and say, well, I'll tell you what, Lucy and Toby, if you both wanted to call in at the same time, that is also absolutely cool. Yeah, Lucy, call in. Toby, call in. Let's have a bit of a chat. Don't care, Carolina, so am I. Let's call in. Let's go. Lucy's in. Lucy. He's a speaker, allegedly. Let's just give it a second. Go on then. Lucy's going in. Lucy, you there? Trying. Ah, you're there. Ah. Hello. Hello. There you go, you're in. Wow. How oh, are you doing? Yeah, all right, thank you. Thank you. I didn't think you were going to call in, to be honest. I thought you, because last time I've tried to coax you in before and you said, no, I can't possibly. I'm scared. I'm hiding under a rock. Um, what you changed your mind? Me. Also your last show, so there. All right. Fair enough. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you come on. It's really, really lovely. And you are, I've got to say, um, possibly Twitter's nicest human. Um, you just spend all your time just encouraging promoting other people like uh, you've done wonders for my self-esteem uh, personally and i know that um, a lot of people say the same so so thank you so much for calling in and thank oh, you for always being so lovely thank you. um so you teach primary don't you i do yeah so that i feel like there's a certain like primary persona like you all have to be really enthusiastic is is the stereotype true, you know, that you all have to be like basically on some sort of child loving drug, you know, and running around hyper all the time? I think it works for me because I cling very desperately to years five and six. Mm. And I've done supply and I've done teaching practice and I've been a cover supervisor, but I've never really chosen to do anything lower than that. So... There's a bit of that, but it's really not me. Okay. So what is it about year five and six that's, that's special to you? You can have a laugh with them. You can mm. talk on more than one level. You don't step on them. Not quite mm. so much. Yeah. The small they, ones, they're useless, aren't they? They don't know what they're doing. 
Well, they're cute, they're little, but too many bodily functions and I can't deal. Yeah. So have you ever taught like really young primary? Yeah, I mean I was I started as a TA before I became a teacher and I was a cover supervisor, so I was all over the school. I've done a year of supply, I did three years of voluntary teaching in South Africa as a grade one teacher, which is like year one. Mm. Right. So, so how would you describe your teacher persona then? See, I think the longer I do it, the less I have one. Okay. So, all right. So how would you, how would you describe like your like default persona, like you as a person, how would you describe yourself I think I pretend to be a lot more in control and knowing what I'm doing than I am. Okay. How so? Uh, oh, full of self-doubt. And I think a bit like you, I was also quite awkward at school and found it quite difficult to connect to people. My school schools were both a bit weird and posh and slightly odd, and I didn't fit in socially in any way, really. Hmm. Um, and I think... It got to, I don't know, the last couple of years of primary and then maybe heading into sixth form and secondary before I really found my place in either of them. Hmm. So is your, is your place kind of being weird and being okay with being weird? Yeah, I think. Or just accepting that we're not all the same and don't work as a pack. What is it that makes you weird? Oh, um is this what makes people interesting to me personally the odder they are the better yeah i don't know it depends how you define weird actually that's part of it but you like gravestones don't you oh i do yeah you love a good grave a little bit of a goth oh yeah yeah i mean the goth thing that that kind of because i don't know if that's weird because that slightly helped me find my groove and my people and Mm. I actually felt I was slightly part of something by that point. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, see, my um, my partner and I are a little, I suppose, what we call alternative. My partner, I feel a bit more than, but more than me, and 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 that's right, isn't it? When you are odd, you do have to find other oddballs, don't you? You do have to find your tribe, I suppose, don't you? And I suppose that's why subcultures are a wonderful thing. And I think actually, that's. Now, Badger Ed's a funny thing, isn't it? And I know we've got um, eminent Badger, um, Carolina, um, here, and Badger adjacent, Badger sniffer, um, Edgy Bat, Toby Payne Cook. And Chris Vowles, you, do, are you Badger adjacent as well, I think? Um, but I think that the people that hang around that kind of zone on Twitter are very odd. You know, it attracts all sorts of oddballs, does it? Indeed, um, you know. And I think that's why perhaps you and I have ended up Badger adjacent, because we have a little bit of a penchant for the left field, um, the odd, the non sequitur, the ramble, um, the niche, perhaps. That's what I quite enjoy about being around all those people. Would you agree? I would agree. I also think low tolerance for nonsense, as in you're just saying it because you have to say it and you don't really mean it. Yeah. And there's a lot of that in teaching, isn't there? There's lots and lots of, I feel personally rather constrained in teaching. This feels like there's lots and lots of, I have to do things. 
I feel like um, when I get really grumpy um, with teaching, I'll say to my partner, I said, I'm fed up of everything feeling like an obligation. You know, why is everything an obligation? Why is everything in my life I have to do? Um, I'm not a badger. I appreciate my their place in the ecosystem. You have to appreciate them or they can give you a nasty nip. nip and I mean badger ed and actual badgers. We appreciate you. Good. Yeah. Carolina, very much the friendly, self-effacing face um, of, of Badger Ed. Um, I talk about it like it's an organisation. And, and the reason I talk about it like it's an organisation is because this is how it gets kind of sold and vilified on, on Twitter, like it's some sort of evil organisation, like that's ultra woke. And it, it really isn't an organisation at all. And it just really kind of makes me, makes me chuckle um, when people get really paranoid about it you know and about how badger ed was upsetting i think it was all of australia at one point wasn't it carolina anyway i digress um so let's say um lucy um we we come into your classroom um and we experience you as a teacher what's that like well very much depends on the moment okay i keep talking about something utterly random that has nothing to do with the lesson that happens quite a lot I love that. I love that. Um, do, do you find then that there's lots of kind of organic growth in your lessons? Yeah, quite a lot. Mm. Or I think so. it, it pops up and we don't do it at the time, but we circle back to it sometimes. Yeah. You see, and that has quite a lot in common with uh, stand-up comedy. You know, when you kind of, you sow a seed and you walk back to it later on. And I, would you, would you agree that, teaching's quite a lot like stand-up comedy even if you don't think of yourself as a funny person so like structurally and spiritually they're quite similar yeah and no, i can definitely see parallels there sure yeah and i think maybe and i don't know about you but i have a suspicion that there's a large portion of teachers who were odd a little bit maybe subcultural um they struggled themselves at school and teaching is a way for them to kind of set things right a little bit or am I completely off base there maybe for some mm. um yeah I'm I didn't like school and I'm slightly surprised that I'm a teacher yeah me too I hated because it because it wasn't a plan ever I kind of drifted and drifted and drifted into it and quite liked it mm. Mm. absolutely um uh, how how did you drift like ultimately like what was it that kind of tipped you in so, i started off working in a gun shop and right. then i got pregnant and left and had a child and then i did other retail stuff and then i volunteered in the school and actually really liked it which was the odd bit mm. so then i spammed the borough to make me give them a give me a job as a ta Mm. which they did eventually, and then ended up training as a teacher from there. Mm. So, do you ever see yourself doing anything else? Like, do, or do you feel like this is you set now? This is your identity? I think I'm kind of too old to move now. See, I don't know how old you are, and I'm not going to ask you unless you want to tell me, but I, I don't imagine you... See, I've... Because I... Cause obviously, you don't have a... Uh, like a Twitter bio photo of your face or anything like that. So I have to imagine what you're like. Um, and in my head, you're about my age. But from what okay. you've said, you can't be. I could literally be your teenage scandalous pregnant mother. I'm 51. 
goodness me yeah, fair enough i think i think it's because we got on so well i just automatically presume that you're in your 30s like i am um increasingly going into my mid-30s um fair enough um why did i get on to that point yeah okay so so it's sort of so you feel like you are um oh elaine too excellent elaine do you fancy calling in do you want to call in elaine 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 i would love to i'd love to know about your teachers um fabulous ladies elaine bring it in gone because we can have a a nice uh three-person chat carolina if you want to bring it in as well um here we go here's elaine it'd be lovely to get both of you on right let's just wait for it to load hello Elaine. hi now you've been on before haven't you yeah briefly yeah briefly on and it's really lovely to hear from you again oh carolina's here as well oh my goodness teachers talk radio is going to explode (laughs) goodness Goodness me me. Um, carolina hello hello i don't know if this is going to work i've never done it no, it's fine. It's absolutely brilliant. It's going to be absolute anarchy, and it's fine because it's my last show. So they can't fire me because I quit. Absolutely. Well, I, I slammed my badge down on the desk, and I was like, um, I quit. Right. Yeah, sorry, Tarina, go on. No, I was just saying, this is what you wanted, like everybody calling in at the same time and speaking at the same time and being an absolute and utter chaos. Basically, yeah. See, the problem is, is that I, I love anarchy, Um but you can't create anarchy on your own. It's a collective act. So I've, um, I've, I've it's, it's very hard. My version of anarchy, if I'm on my own, is just rambling and talking about things <laughs> and, you know, all these misconnections and getting confused. Um, just a few things. Podbean isn't let me call in, which is probably a good thing. Oh, Toby, we love you. <laughs> Chris says, <laughs> isn't he so self-deprecating as well, Toby? So he's always like, oh, it's like sort of like, He's like Eeyore on crack. Um, <laughs> I like... That's what he's like. He's like Eeyore, like a bit chatty. Um, I like the parts of school life when I was left to get on with thinking, reading and making music, post-16 English drama and art department essentially became havens for productively weird. Right, do you know, that's really weird because, Chris, um, I did English drama and theology and music Um at a level and that is exclusively why i did them because it was where all the weird kids were um <laughs> and so that's absolutely right uh, laura um, williams i resisted becoming a teacher for years finally gave in after an early midlife crisis that is early for a midlife crisis yeah that's like a third of a life crisis but you know that's fair hang on so you became a teacher after a crisis See, for me, I feel like teaching causes my crisis so anyway right so i'm talking and we've got lovely guests so Elaine, tell yeah. all of us. Um, so, what Lucy said about um, you know her teacher persona—how true of that? How true of you is that, or is it completely different for you? What is your classroom like? What are you like? Are you yourself, or have you made yourself up? Oh gosh, um, I <laughs> anyway. think uh, I think my classroom. I think I'm kind of larger than life in the classroom. Right. Um, I think I can be quite scary. Um, so, um, which is not, is quite good. I think sometimes, um, how, sorry, like, as in like, if you've got the, the look, the voice, what is it? yeah, sometimes you sort of see the color drain from their face when I walked in the room. Ooh. Um, but it's good humored. Yeah. I think, um, lots of, I like to have a, a really good laugh, I'd say in the, in the classroom. Um, yes. Okay. It's really important actually. Mm. Um, Yeah. To have that, 
But the, the older I get, I think uh, the less, and this is why I'm sort of finding teaching quite exhausting now. I feel like the less, there's less of me left at the end of the day. Yes, at, um, at 51, do you feel like you're yes. Yeah. depleting? Yes, definitely. Well, you're Whereas in a department, we're... aren't you? Sorry to interrupt Yeah, you. yeah. Yeah, and that must carry with it a real burden because my head of department is, it, it, bless her, she's she's your age actually, around your age. Mm. I think I hope she's not listening, and I've got it wrong. But mm. she says it's exhausting to be head of department. Yeah, can be. I do. I quite like it. I'm still sort of curious about the job and everything. I quite mm. like it, but I do find, um, like when I was younger, there was still there was more of me left at the end of the day, and now I just sometimes feel like a slightly deflated balloon. Mm. Why do you think that is? Um, just because, um, yeah, well, because it's just, there's a lot of demands, I suppose. It's like that performance in the room as well, isn't it? Teaching that kind of like performance. I think it drains your energy. I remember you yeah. did a tweet about that, about the idea of the sort of stand-up comedian. Yeah, and I was yeah. talking about that earlier. So, yeah. so you agree as well that it's it's quite similar? Yeah. I think that's um, like me. I think that's what I'm like in the room. I think it mm. is a, a kind of larger than life projection. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And, and do you think that it's hard for teachers who can't use a teacher personality? Like, do you think there is? Do you think there's another way? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. One of what my does that look like. Uh, it can look like lots of things. It can okay. look like loads of different things. Um, and I think. Um, some of the very best practitioners I've seen are very different to me. Mm. Um, yeah, it can look like lots of things in the room. I feel like that the teacher performer, um, like the kind of the individual, the maverick, the personality teacher, I feel like it's a bit of a dying breed. I feel like um, more and more teachers are being encouraged to do things in a very homogenized way, sometimes in a scripted way to kind of... Mm. Do, do you agree? Like to become more sort of like company men and women? Maybe. I think, um, I don't know really. Uh, I think sometimes there is that sense of wanting to get things right and that means adhering to hmm. kind of the system, the rules. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to bring Carolina in. Carolina, what do you think about what we've just said? What are your opinions? Um, about what in particular? Oh, yes. Do you know what? We've said about eight things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a really good point. Come on, Carolina. Right. Um, basically, <laughs> so, do you think that the personality teacher is mm -hmm. a dying breed? Do you think that teachers are becoming more homogenised and they're supposed to be like a teacher as purveyor of knowledge that's kind of kicked in as the no. default? Uh, no, not at all. I just think it's so different. Uh, depending on whether you're a primary or secondary school, the subject you teach, how long you've been teaching in the school, your own personality sort of at home. Mm. So to speak. no, not at all. I think even myself, I've changed um, sort of quite a lot over the years. When I started, um, obviously because I wasn't very confident, um, I was quite serious, quite stern, um, you know, and I wouldn't share a single droplet of my own life with anybody. I was super private and super, um, you know, protective of my personal life or anything about myself. Uh, but then over time, when I was feeling a bit more comfortable and um, time was passing or, you know, when I stayed in a school, 
um, for a bit longer, then I started to relax. And when I started to, you know, establish relationships with certain classes, then my humor started to come out. Um, and I started to digress a little bit, sometimes on purpose. Um, and I started to uh, really enjoy uh, teaching as opposed to just seeing it as, you know, this thing that you do um, sort of thing. So, yeah, no, I think, and I, I don't think I'll be the same if, you know, if I'm still teaching in five years' time, I don't think I'll be the same teacher either. Okay, that that's a really interesting perspective, perspective. The, the idea that your persona adapts over time. And I suppose it kind of ties in with what Elaine was saying about how as you are in the game longer and as you get older, you know, there isn't necessarily as much of that performance um, yeah. left to give. Um, I think you can, you can, there are certain things you can achieve in a shorter period of time when you're being in a school for longer or when you're in a more established teacher. Mm. And that was happening to me. So whereas before I maybe there were six months where I was just purely 100% teaching and being quite serious and firm. Uh, now, I, you know, I feel like if I do that for a week, then they know where the limits are and who I am and what I expect. And then I can be like, OK, now we can have fun. Mm you know, and relax and, and, and have a joke and laugh on myself, which I do an awful lot of, um, you know, and it's still, it's still who I am, but somehow it's me adapting myself to a different scenario, to a different situation in the same way that you do in different situations in your life. Like you don't behave the same way with your GP that you do, you know, with your brother mm. or with a walker by in the street. Yeah, that's social masks, isn't it? We're talking about those, yeah, that form um, of yourself. Yeah, um, I mean, not, yeah, sorry, much, yeah, it might not necessarily be that because I guess you spend quite a lot of time in the workplace. Um, so that's why perhaps people talk about this uh, work persona because it's something that you kind of grow and develop over time. But um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just about adapting to the scenario. You are working with young people, which is quite an unusual thing compared to other jobs. Um, you know, you've got professional relationship uh, with your peers. Um, so it's, I think it's an odd mix uh, when it comes to teaching in a way, because of that, it's quite a peculiar uh, nature of the job. Yes. Mm. And I, I want to go back to what you were saying about, you know, how you wouldn't let a part of yourself in. And this dovetailed with what Laura was saying um, in the chat. She said, we all need to hold a part of ourselves back from the job yeah. for our sanity. So yeah, I, I was I was quite extreme to begin with, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't say. And now what I do is I just say absolute nonsense, um, you know. So I have a class convinced that I am 72 and that I can't <laughs> wait to retire uh, when, in fact, I'm 40. Um, you know, and they really look at me and they're kind of like looking for the wrinkles. And, you know, they're very gullible, bless them. Um, you know, or I made up stories, you know, that I'm expecting triple tri triplets and that I'm going to have them the next day. But, you know, they just don't show those kind of things, but exactly it's just perfect. pure, pure sheer absurdity. Yeah, um, I do exactly the same thing. I pretend yeah, like that I've hours. <laughs> Sorry, who's, is that you, Elaine? Um, uh, yeah, just one thing like that, that I was thinking about what Carolina was saying as well. It's not just our, um, so it's not just the idea of a teaching persona. It's just, I think ourselves aren't fixed, are, are they? I mean, yeah. I'm a different person now than I was at 40, 30 mm. 18 and i and i think the idea that we have a kind of fixed and stable self is in itself kind of not true anyway mm. um, and we do it's that it's that elliot line isn't it we you know you prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet oh that's very good yes yes mm -hmm. absolutely yes you you always 
can reel me in with some Elliot. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, it's not fixed, is it? And I think being okay with that maybe is is one of the secrets to I say secrets, but one of the antidotes perhaps to to feeling like one doesn't fit or one's doing it wrong or one's odd mm. is knowing actually yeah. that we are works in progress yes, and we aren't fixed. Yeah, I think it's about yeah, it's about there being a bit more relaxed about making a mistake, um, and and being more relaxed about not everything being linear or progressive, you know, in a, in a kind of a straight line. Yeah, I think it's a lot to do with that. That's um, really important. Isn't is it? the persona not just a one-way thing too? I'm just thinking, and it's probably more of a primary thing. But I have exactly the same children. Well, I don't because my school's got huge mobility, but I have one class for a year. Mm-hmm. And mm. it depends on my cohort, and how That's I am with them depends slightly on how they are. So I have one class oh, yeah. who been very, very shocked when they saw me a year later, and I smiled. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm a good very point. different depending on the class. And yeah, yeah it, it, I, and I think I am different every year just because of how they are as well. I think it's a communal thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing actually because we aren't the self that we are in our heads to other people, aren't we? That's the thing. The self we've got in our heads, we assume that that's the self and that's the self everyone else sees. In fact, when that self ceases to exist, i.e. when we die, um, our self lives on. I go back to that Eagleman line I always base blogs on, which is there are three deaths. The first one is when the body ceases to function. Mm. The second one is when the body's consigned to the grave. The third one is when your name is whispered for the last time. And and it's the idea that actually we do continue to exist after death, just in other people's heads. Um, but we exist in other people's heads and people I know are going to go to their separate houses carrying a version of me in their head. And I have no control over that. It's like death of the author, isn't it? You know, once you publish your text, it's anyone's game, isn't it? Um, we are quite short on time. And I have the wonderful Toby Payne Cook has just arrived. Um, Toby, in. you're in. He's in. I had to invite you. There was a weird box that came up. Anyway, um, Toby, what do you make of all this we've been saying about uh, teacher personas? What's your take? Just just talk for about uh, a minute. Um, I, I don't know. I think um, I'm in the midst of my own um, perpetual existential crisis anyway so um so i don't think teaching is it's important it's my job um but there's so much else stuff going on in my life you know my my um deluded ambition to be a published author um even if i sell three books a year that's okay as long as i'm published um and um, and then this divorce malarkey which is not yet sorted so that's so kind of um I, i've not really been thinking about the whole teaching thing and it, 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 you know it's just a job at the moment to be honest um but okay. I, but i do think about it a lot other times so i think i'm a bit different we're all a bit different i'm i'm came into teaching late so i did my pgc when i was 41 i was a scientist before that but i wasn't you know i i don't really like just being labeled as a scientist or a teacher or a science teacher and and kind of so I am what I am, to be honest. I mean, you know, I think I think I totally agree with you that the way others perceive us and and a great many others can perceive us in a great many different ways. But the way others perceive us is probably quite different to how we feel we are. Um, but I don't really 
you know, it probably makes me quite a bad teacher. I'm not, I don't have a teacher persona. I don't think I have a persona and, and it changes. Um, but I'm very, I'm too friendly. I, I, you know, I, I think to be a good teacher, you've got to be really, really tolerant. Um, but hang on, not in the words. No, you've got to be really intolerant, but really patient. Whereas I am mm. the absolute opposite. I'm far too tolerant. Um, <laughs> And I'm completely impatient. So, so I'm I, I probably, as advised by the Pfizer um, career advisor when I when I left um, when I was made redundant, and, and then um, said, you know, when I was thinking of teaching, I didn't go straight into it actually. Um, she said, Toby, you'd be an excellent teacher. You'd have a lot of fun with it, but um, and and you'd probably be widely adored by seventy percent of the children, which I think is true. I think I am probably widely adored by seventy percent of the children <laughs> and the teachers and my colleagues, but thirty percent of the people absolutely hate me um, because I'm just too chaotic and too, you know, I, I don't. It's all a waste of time, most of it. You know, it's just keeping kids busy, keeping them safe. Um, you know, the ones who are going to kind of become great intellectual scientists or great intellectual English literature graduates are going to become those things anyway. You know, I think we make a difference to a few children. We probably screw up a few children, but most of the one, most of the kids in our classes, we're just kind of keeping them busy, keeping them occupied until they can try and figure it all out for themselves when they're adults. Sorry if that's desperately cynical. So, um, I don't really I know is the short answer to the question. I don't really know if I have a teacher persona. I like to entertain. I like to make people laugh. I, I like children to work hard and want to care about about becoming the best version of themselves. But equally, um, if they're not in the right mood for doing that, then I'm like, well, no, fine. If you don't feel like doing anything today, don't, because you can do it tomorrow sort of thing. Yeah. That's, that's sorry. <laughs> kind of the response I thought. No, no, no. That's kind of the response I thought you'd give, while also simultaneously not being. Um, I suppose. Um, well, that's really interesting that you have a persona, and I know that you write a lot about the different selves that you've been. And yeah. um, and I need to catch up on your last few instalments because I've been off Twitter, but but I'm always struck with how meditative you are about the self, which is why I'm so glad you're in this one because you seem to really reflect on all of the different Tobies that there've been yes. and you look at them as both being now Toby and then Toby <laughs> you know you don't completely detach yourself from the Tobiness of Toby you know as now but you also aren't completely the same either and I love 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 with what Laura has said based on my comment about the author so our self is co-constructed with our contacts like a book is co-constructed with the reader yeah that's bloody brilliant that that yeah. is yes. very piffy put and I, and I think that's exactly what it is it's that co-constructed self we're social animals we um we we engage in social learning i think even more than we engage in academic shall we say um learning um I mean, we're doing social learning right now, aren't we? You know, what we're doing is we're co-constructing our ideas. And what's mm. lovely, and this is why I wanted everybody to call in, is I just wanted to hear everybody's voices. You know, I think on some sort of level, maybe, I see, I often like being on my own. But simultaneously, while desperately wanting to be on my own, I can feel lonely at the same time and it was really nice just being able to hear that that little smattering of voices and all those different people being real people and not words on the screen but being real voices so what conclusions have we come to at the end of the show um that i can without a script talk for a long time 
that I will go off on a tangent, that <laughs> dolphins clearly are responsible for shark-based ennui. Um, that whenever someone comes into your classroom on a tour, they will stand there like an idiot and not want to be in there. Um, and I think we've also hopefully learned a little bit more about some other human beings. Um, and I've also learned that wasn't a shocker. No, that's true. Um, <laughs> I, um, I think I'm going to miss doing the show a little bit. It's been a really, really lovely way to spend the evening. Nicer than it's I been thought brilliant. It it's been brilliant. And um, I'm going to miss you, Thank Alex. You. Thank you, Toby. Well, I'm hoping to be on Twitter more. Um, to be I, I hope not to be personally, but you know, I'll dip yeah. in. Yeah, well, I just want to sort of like share more nonsense. And I want to be kind of the reason that people smile on Twitter. I don't really like getting involved with the the anger and stuff like that. And I'm starting to mute things more and more, to be honest with you. I just I don't want to escape from the misery of the world into more misery of the world. And it I has think, been really can, lovely. Can I, I think our corner of Twitter, which which um is is wonderful and and the people who've called in um and yourself i mean lucy in particular and yourself but have been have been great great twitter friends to me over the last few months um yeah, and yeah. and and really important but i just got you know ben newmark decided he was going to kind of give up twitter for lent i haven't given it up because i have to promote my radio show and and, sure. and chip in occasionally but i just find that if i'm on twitter all the time you're rewriting so much wonderful stuff. So is Carolina. So 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 many other people. That and it's lovely. But I'm not reading any books. I'm not writing any mm -hmm. books. I'm not speaking to any friends, old friends, proper friends whose like faces and voices I really know. And no disrespect to you guys. And and that's a problem. So I, I think too. I think we can. It's it's great when you're lonely and a bit lost and you want a bit of a quick laugh. There's someone there for you. But it was taking it up frankly too many hours of my day and i'm yeah. i think it's been I'm quite healthy this sort of semi giving it up for lent um i will i will i won't go away but i won't i don't want to immerse myself too much because one felt started to feel a bit pressured to kind of, no, of contribute course. to everything yeah that's what i was finding to be honest with you and i just thought you know what i'm just gonna go let things be organic and uh and it kind of feels like now i've started to i think sometimes you need to miss people a little bit and i started to miss some people on twitter and i was yeah. going oh i wonder what they're up to i wonder what nick's talking about i wonder what nick's morning tweets i wonder what eugene's gonna say i wonder what you know lovely things toby's going on about i wonder what tabitha's angry about you know <laughs> that sort of thing um so i just you know i missed it sort of thing so so yeah it's been really lovely i am over time now so i'm gonna have to end the show but um thank you all for listening from the bottom of my heart i've really really enjoyed it and um thank you for um not uh, judging my um my previous choices and my many many selves um so from from this self and from all my past and future selves um thank you all very very much um have a lovely evening um take care see you soon you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.